This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Now, we are so excited for our next guest. We've talked about her on the show. We're big fans about, <laughs> of what she's doing. We most definitely have a ton of opinions on how she's been treated. Exactly. Uh, and just to give you some context, former California Democratic Congresswoman Katie Hill resigned amid allegations of inappropriate relationships with campaign staffers in 2019. She then sued her ex-husband and the owners of RedState.com in the Daily Mail, saying they had distributed non-consensual porn and accused them of cyber exploitation. Katie Hill joins us right now. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Now, what has life been like since this all happened and you made national headlines? Because, oh my God, um, you know, I would say (laughs) you made the best of it because you've done a lot since. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Yeah, I mean, I was so two traumas happened back to back, uh, everything that was in the national headlines, but then. Literally, uh, two months later, my, my mom had brain surgery, and then my brother died of an overdose. My younger brother died of an overdose. And so I went into just, like, full, I can't do anything. I, like, hid in my apartment for, you know, a, a long time. Um, I, I was able to write my book during that period because it was, it was actually really cathartic for me. Um, but, you know, after, oh, gosh, it, it, was, it took a while for me to start kind of, like, reemerging. Um, and figure out where I am with my life. And I think I'm finally kind of starting to hit my stride again. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I wonder how you're feeling now because you did lose the case, the lawsuit that you had against Daily Mail, and the judge obviously didn't even see it as revenge porn, which I'm sitting here like, what? So how did that um, make you feel in this this moment? Because it does feel like you hit a a dead end. Yeah, no, I'm I'm appealing that. I... uh, I feel like the judge completely got that wrong and that the implications of that ruling are too big for too many people if we let it stand as is. Yeah. So I feel like we need to go to the appellate court. The appellate court can, even even if ultimately they rule that there's some kind of exception to it that I happen to be in a rare case, the exception to, they cannot let it stand that the, the, the judge's ruling has it so that basically anybody who's a secondary distributor, so let's just say, you know, you, as a, as a bitter ex of somebody, you decide to give it to anyone and then they can publish it for you. That, that person who's complicit in it, that person who distributes it from there is completely unaccountable. The platform, there, there could be websites that pop up that are like revenge porn, you know, basically, yeah, distributors. And, and those have been there before. But anyway, the judge's ruling is so bad that we have to appeal it, even if it doesn't ultimately win for me. So um, that's what's next. 
Well, it's amazing because you're in very, in very many ways, you're an activist, but you obviously were a congresswoman, duh. Yeah. So, like, yeah. it makes me feel like you've resigned, but once you resign, can you not go after it again? Uh, no, you're allowed to run again, and I haven't written that off. Like, there was, you know, when, when the seat switched back to Republican, I thought, I don't know, like, I can't be okay with this being the ultimate outcome. And, um, you know, that, I, 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 I don't know... At what point I'll feel like I'm ready to, to run again, but it I definitely think that it's a possibility in the future. Well, there's such a stigma when you're, even around your case, I mean, the misogyny just jumped out. Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. and it, it's so unfortunate. Do you feel like if you do run again that you'll still kind of come into um, like that happening all over again? Like, do you feel like, oh, have people really kind of moved past this and kind of progressed in their thinking? I feel like the only way I'll be able to run again is if I have fully embraced that, that just like it is what it is. I'm running as me. I'm running with all my baggage, all my flaws, just right out there. You all know it. And you are consciously making a decision as to whether that's something you want. Um, So I think that the next, you know, and I don't don't feel like I'm at that spot yet because I feel like I have a lot of work still to do. The most important thing for me now, and this is what I founded pretty much right away, was uh, Her Time, which is the political action committee that I started which has been supporting basically women running for office. Many times they're the long shot candidates that don't get a chance, um, especially when the guys are, you know, the ones that are put backed by the political establishment. They've got all the money and they've got all the resources. So we've been backing women. We started doing that and uh, we converted all my campaign funds into doing that. Um, and then we did, we actually helped during the elections. Uh, we did some independent expenditures during the elections. And now what we've been focusing on is advocacy around specifically the passage of the Violence Against Women Act. And um, we made it through the House. We got a provision in there for a for basically making a uh, uh, making revenge for a federal crime, which still doesn't exist. Uh, it's a patchwork of state by state laws. And it was a big lift to get it into that package that passed the House already. And now we have to get it to pass the Senate. And frankly, you know, people are not paying as much attention to the Violence Against Women Act that is not infrastructure and is not a coronavirus, you know, relief package or a jobs plan. But it needs to freaking get passed. And we cannot, you know, we, we don't need to solve the filibuster for it, but we should be able to get 60 people to vote for it now. Oh, and yeah. it's you know, bipartisan thing. So that, that's basically where my, my advocacy and my time is focused for the time being. So yep. it's we're so, going to need all the help we can get. It's so important. And of course, follow at her time 2020 for more on that. But now, uh, Florida Republican Representative Matt Gates brought up your name recently in an op-ed he wrote saying he would not resign over allegations of violating sex trafficking laws, which he has still denied. What do you think of him referencing you and just implicating you, including you in this mess right now? Oh, my my reaction was like, get your name, get my name out of your mouth like right now. I can't even. Um, uh, yeah, I was just like disgusted by it. There were. I can't remember if that happened before or after it started to come out that, you know, he was possibly sharing, well, that he was sharing photographs of, uh, of women on the house floor. That was when my like rage boiled up and I had to immediately start writing that op-ed that I did. Um, but I found out later, I think it was later that, uh, that he had, you know, compared himself to me and his, how his defense of me was somehow any, in any way, shape or form related to what, it's going on with him now. So um, I just lost it a little bit. 
So, so were you all, I would love to clarify this because I, I, I read your op-ed in uh, Vanity Fair and I thought it was really great, but I was wondering, were y'all really friends? Because now no. after talking to you, I'm like, how could y'all even been friends? No, I mean, that's the thing. And I described it in there. I'm like, we, we like had it in the hallways sometimes. There was like friendly banter a little bit. We were, uh, so it's like, it's like someone you're friendly with at work. You know what I mean? It's not like we were having late night calls or going out to drink. I think we went, we got a drink once when he was filming his documentary um, and it was filmed. So this was like right after I'd resigned and it was like about, we were talking about HR one. So anyway, um, but no, it's not like, it's not like I go around saying I'm friends with Matt Gates, but we got pegged that way. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, so, so now, now I'm like on these, on, you know, the news channels and, and it's like, ex-friend of Matt Gates, and it's I'm like, like, you're clearing oh. your name. It's strange. <laughs> I know. It's like, <laughs> I don't mean to be doing like a press tour of this. But, right? you know. You're like, I, yeah, this it's, it's wild. But what do you think about the double standard here? I mean, it's so obvious when there's so many politicians uh, that uh, it's that get brought up for things that are not good, right? That are illegal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet they don't need to resign. And yet you had to resign. For something that was not illegal exactly um yep no i think that there's this double standard that's not just for women but it's for members of the lgbt community in a, in a big way and um i think the fact that i was a woman that i was bisexual that i was that the the pictures were there i mean that really weighed in on my my own decision to resign to you know not try to kind of wait it out at all um but also just a personal a sense of personal responsibility like this is the right thing to do. And this is what I need to do for, you know, the people that I've affected and, and, and for my own mental health. And um, I don't know. I don't know if it's just that there's this, you can't, this feeling that you can't admit anything because, or you can't say sorry because then you're admitting some kind of guilt Mm. that seems to be stronger for men. Or if there's a, um, I honestly, I I really, I really don't know what it is. And it it, it is increasingly infuriating. The more, the more scandals that go by, the more, Simultaneously, I get beyond frustrated, but also in a way validated and, and a bit, you know, more committed to you know, my work and to um, making sure that women do not face the same kind of crap that I did. Yeah. And the fact that Gates did support you at the time when this all happened, mm-hmm. um, does that make it even more strange considering, you know, you, you feel like you understand why he supported you? At the time, didn't Gates support you and not like he he was one of the ones who was um, like making sure that you didn't step down? Oh, no. I mean, no, he 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 sent a thing defending me saying that basically, mm. uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was the first one. That, and that was what I wrote about in Jenny's Fair, right, is that he was the he was the first outspoken member of Congress who said that, you know, the the photos are not anyone's business or whatever it was. And I appreciated that. That like meant a lot to me, especially at the time that I was, you know, mm-hmm. not. Um, I didn't. Ha- I didn't feel like I had very many allies. But you can only have a, uh, you know, a, I guess when it, everything that came out since then is it, it makes you wonder what that was about in the first place. 
You know, I do wonder, do you think the relationship when it comes as more politicians come into the game and obviously they're millennials and Gen Zers and this relationship with social media and just the media in general, do you feel like we'll start to kind of be more lenient to to folks when it comes to technology? Because at this point, everyone has a Facebook page. Everyone has embarrassing photos of themselves that, they, you we're, know, are... We're are, human and sexual creatures. Right. And Let's so be clear. I, I do wonder, do you think that we have, you know, do you think we'll progress in that way? And uh, I you think kind we're going to have to. I really do think we're going to have to. And I think that especially millennials, the people who, start, you know, who grew up on their phones, right? Like who, who phones have been a fixture of our lives since we were old enough to, you know, to really be doing stuff out in the world. And MySpace, ever since MySpace has been around, that's, what was that? Well, I guess I was in college when that came out, but early enough. And um, so, I, yeah, I think, I think that everyone... We all look inside ourselves. We know that there's stuff that we haven't been perfect about, that we've made mistakes about, probably that we've, you know, done things that other people see in in ways that we don't, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that that's, you know, my biggest thing as, 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 a, as a politician or as somebody who decided to run for office was that we need real people to represent us. We don't want these perfectly manicured, coiffed people who have hidden everything away and who, you know, are like these have been preparing their entire lives or have been prepared their entire lives to be politicians. But that if we want true people who've had real experiences, experiences aren't always beauty and light. They can be dark and they can mess you up and they can have a psychological impact. And, and we all deal with the consequences. And and so um, I think that younger people get that and they get that we, you know, it means that we're going to have to, um, to change our perspectives around it. But to me that galvanizes me around wanting to make this, revenge porn thing a non-issue because if you can weaponize somebody's pictures they're especially their naked pictures for any political campaign for any you know you can you can literally give it to right-wing media and use it as a political weapon then that keeps so many people from running for office in the first yeah, place it does. You're uh, right. all right we need a wrap is elizabeth moss playing you in a movie can you uh happening? when is the movie coming it's- out we don't have date. We don't have dates on it yet, but um, it is the plan. <laughs> okay, that's all. I just had to ask that. Uh, <laughs> Representative, uh, former congressman Katie Hill, thank you so much again for being here and for being so open with us. Thank you so much. Good to talk to you. Uh, check out Katie's book out now. She will rise, and also her time pack at her time twenty twenty in her podcast at Naked Politics. We'll be back with what's trending this hour next. 